Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugged your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This show contains strong language, big opinions, and slightly more sexual content than usual. So be aware, folks. This is a Dave original podcast. Hello and welcome to the Late Night Mash podcast. Yes, we've got one too, with Jeff Norcott and Olga Koch. In the dawning of a new age, it's a good time to readdress some old habits and weed out the more harmful ones. With that in mind, welcome back. As you probably well know, in this show, we take the biggest cultural war battles and play them out in front of your very ears. At the start, Jeff and Olga will be talking about something extremely important, probably. There is that thing as you you age and you you know you I've been through several generations of music and you really do try not to go this is all shit now and and to be open minded to it but I think some bits of music you can go objectively that was fucking terrible I mean that was there there was there was nothing I mean all that kind of what was that that emo music at the beginning of the noughties as well that was that was okay bad. first of all I am officially signing off and logging off and hanging up if you don't retract your statement immediately. Uh, what, what, what I will say, what I will say oh, about emo music, tread on an emo landmine. What I will say about emo music is the thing that strikes me is that it's all thirty-year-old men writing lyrics to teenagers and trying to appeal to teenagers. Mm. Like I think Jared Way was twenty-nine when he wrote uh, "Teenagers," which is a song by My Chemical Romance, and the song is about like nobody mm. gets teenagers. And then Simple Plan wrote "I'm Just a Kid and Life Is a Nightmare," and I'm pretty sure they were all in their mid-twenties singing. I'm just a kid. It's a tough one, isn't it, for those bands that eventually do the nostalgia circuit and they're still having to sing about, no one gets me, <laughs> so misunderstood. <laughs> Shut up, man. <laughs> and everyone got you. That's what you were meaning there. Like significant numbers of people got you. And I remember oh, there was a way that they started. You know, like there's that weird thing that happens in... In, in music where they just in and they enunciate in a weird way and that becomes Where are you? Yes. It's exactly what I was thinking of. Who told you to do it? And it, you know, the worst thing is it fucking works as well. It works. What is that? Is it like an anglicised sort uh. of like, I'm sounding like a punk star. 
like Johnny Rotten. <laughs> Maybe. But they, 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 there's something that the British vocalists do now as well with their consonants as well. Yeah, I mean Lily Allen and and Kate Nash. Yeah, they went on to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly. To what do this about. to a point. Kate Nash was in the TV, the Netflix show Glow, the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, which I had no idea she was like a regular on it. She was. She was great in it. What was weird about that generation was that that music was being produced just before the credit crunch. So it was a in a weirdly sort of financially benevolent period. It wasn't obvious what the struggles were. There were, of course, the wars in the Middle East. So, But then you get a song like Lily Allen's one where she just sings about, oh, I went to a cafe and I had a... And they called it Al Fresco and just... You know, nothing was happening. So all she could talk about was going to the fucking park, right? Fast forward, you got Dave talking about some deep, deep shit. But they didn't have anything to talk about. Maybe that was the problem. I think a lot about war soundtracks. And imagine, like, the mm. Vietnam War had, what, like, doors? Yeah. And black. the boys in Iraq had to listen to Green Day. Just something to think oh, about. That's a... Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they did have Rage Against the Machine. Oh, my God. Can I just tell you one thing about... Baby, oh, if they know, signed up to, to be in the up. army, they did not rage against any machine. So this subject is, you know... It's a tricky area in a way. Sorry for... Should we be sorry for stuff? Is it our great-grandparents did... Andy? Uh, I've just written grandparents, but great grandparents as well. It's sort of previous okay. generation. Well, it's useful for me if we if we go grandparents, because uh, my granddad, lovely bloke, fought the Nazis. Really nice, actually, my granddad. Really nice, gentle man. So if I just keep it to just my granddad, no, I'm not. I'm not. So I, actually, I will take responsibility because he was a top bloke. And if anything, I'm going to take some of the credit for what he did. But I'm guessing the question has a broader connotation than that. Uh, I'd say, yeah, it's sort of more about previous generations than literally your granddad, yeah. Mm. But can we keep it on my granddad just a bit? He really was nice. He really was nice. He came back from fighting in the Second World War in North Africa, and he'd he'd fought alongside lots of people of different races, which is a new thing for him. Come back so liberal, man. He was the most liberal guy in South London at the time. He came back, he came back a new guy. He was all super chill. Well, I mean, apart from the PTSD. But he drank his way through that. Fair play to him. <laughs> so, Jeff, the question is, should we have to say sorry for the stuff our grandparents did? I mean, one thing I wonder about this is, is what what is the statute of limitations? So is it, is it two generations because it's within living memory, right? Because I was trying to think that obviously there are, there are legacy issues around Britain and the British Empire and stuff like that. But I was sort of thinking, you know, when I was a kid, you know, my, my granddad had to fight in a, in a war, you know, Germans started blitzbombing London. I don't remember ever feeling like a German youngster then should be sorry to me. So maybe I'm coming at it from an individualist, I think be conscious of it. But like on, on a direct level, sometimes for a person that sees the world more for individualism, that's, that's a tough leap. Right. I guess my question, my counter argument to this is, are you living with privileges that are inherited to you because of what your grandparents did? And are other people suffering because of the legacy of previous generations? Well, yeah, but that's what I'm trying to think is in terms of things my granddad did, or you mean grandpa, my granddad's generation did? Yeah. Right. Because the question is quite, quite, you know, for stuff our grandparents did. I suppose we get into the area then, of, it's quite pejorative, isn't it? Like, is because those decisions that we're thinking about were made by 
a very small number of power holders, right? Um, yeah, but they were voted for and broadly supported, right? I guess what we're thinking here is, I suppose with my granddad, you know, after Second World War was the start of the breakup of empire. So maybe, you know, great-grandparents is, is in some way, a, you know, a time when those things were more uh, visible. I don't know how, yeah, how supportive they were is the honest answer. I don't know if he, if he bemoaned the breakup of the British Empire, what had happened. But I suppose it's less about like our individual grandparents, but it's like, are we meant to take responsibility mm. and right the wrongs of the generations before us? Okay, so what, what form would that take then, right in the wrong? I suppose reparations is one of them. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I mean, the, the trick, uh, that debate is definitely happening at the moment, it's getting louder. It's also happening at a time where, I guess, working class white communities have less wealth, you know, they have for a long time. So that's going to be a tricky one, isn't it, at this exact point in time? I see, I see what you mean, you know, about, yeah, living with the benefits. But it's not just, it's not, we, we always go straight to race and empire with, with things like this. But there are other things too, you know. What about the way that our grandparents' generation treated women? You know, should we be sorry about that? I think that. And then I look back and I think, are we more respectful of women now? I don't know, man. I think that we are in some ways, but not in others. Courting. They used to court, at least. There was something respectful about that. May I have this dance? I'm okay without being courted if that means I get to vote. No, I mean... <laughs> I think, Is that okay to say? I, I think, yeah, yeah. I think that they could vote by that point. Um, but I, I guess it was still in a generation where it'd be like, they just ch double check with the husband. I don't know, man, but if you met my nan, I don't think she was double checking with anyone. I think she was probably setting the political tempo of that house. But I, ju I just wonder if, um, I do think in particular of how we relate to women, that whole thing of like, you know, ballroom dances, a tea dance, you know, or someone trying to fucking grind on your shitty nightclub. I don't know. I wonder if there's, there's some things that aren't as respectful as they were. I think there's, there's a lot of funny things to be said about being gr grinded on, on a, a nightclub dance floor. And as you're just hearing me talk, it's me trying to find that. <laughs> now I was very courtly, you know. I was, I was still even, even at a nightclub when they were playing "Boom Shake the Room." I'd be like, "Can I have this dance, please?" What I'm hearing is, is um, throughout history, is what I'm hearing. What you're saying is, mm. so there used to be quote unquote respectful dancing, right? When you're sort of at a distance, sort of bowing to each other, doing, yeah. doing very, uh, like holding hands up uh, at a at a distance. There's no real close. Uh, body-to-body -body mm. contact but as the wage gap slowly shrank the people got closer and closer together and here we mm. are with the wage gap still there but incrementally uh, smaller than it was hundreds of years ago and now we are dancing so close together we are grinding so i suppose the trade-off is the closer you're on income the closer you are on the dance floor that's beautiful. I mean, like, that, do you know what you just said there? Sounds like the kind of excuse that a bloke, like if a bloke could actually think of that excuse in the moment, my God. It was like, oh, what are you doing? Like, get off me. No, no, the reason I'm doing that is because the, the pay gap. God, you, you could, I mean, that is, you could sell that approach. Like, no, because the pay gap has gone and as we become closer together. <laughs> yeah. So if, if we both sort of elusively agreed that it's particularly in living memory, but not exclusively, that there are, are things that we can do that you'll be held accountable for. What are we doing right now, Olga? What are we not doing? I mean, immediately I'm going, my brain's going planet, 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 climate, climate. Is that, will they hunt us in the future? 
Will there be kangaroo courts? What did you do? Will they be going through our social media? I think I need to... I need to be held accountable for my bad tweets. Some we things all, can be thought. Do. They should not be written down. I, I wonder if kids will move beyond that because they'll live their whole lives in a social media thing that they'll, they'll need to discount social media because every aspect of their life is there. So it'll be in there. It will be useful to them. But you, but you're you're up for that. If if the the day comes when they come knocking, and you'll have lived, you'll have hoped that you got away with it. Eight year old Olga, and you say, "I always knew this day would come." Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. And then be like, in twenty sixteen, and I and I would say, "Stop! I know exactly what this is about. I'll accept <laughs> any punishment." And then it's just I, some of the worst takes. I, I, yeah, I I would um I would be happy. For the period of maybe 2017 to 2020, some of my takes on culture war stuff, I, I think I was just quite angry generally, more angry than I am now. And yet I got wound up about gingerbread men becoming gingerbread women. I did. I really felt like that was a thing that I should write an article about. And I don't know why I felt like that. And and <laughs> I, I'm, really, I'm willing to come clean and say that, you know, I think that a Brexit and a pandemic and a cost of living crisis and a war later, it doesn't seem like such a big issue, I have to say. What was the, what was the catalyst for you? What, for the gingerbread thing? No, what, what, what was the thing that made you think, oh, actually, I, I don't feel that way anymore. I don't think it's that well, big of a deal. I, yeah, I, I just thought there's some culture stuff where I do think, you know, when people talk about, you know, like sex, and like that's a very important debate that's happening about what's in curriculums, you know, and, and stuff like that. These are formative elements of culture. I just don't think anymore that Pret-a-Manger trying to sell a few more gingerbreads was something that I need necessarily to concern myself with. Um, and I think that, I think that there's, I do think the planet, if, you know, if the way that young people are more radicalised about the planet now is any sign, it'll be like, you know, remember the first Superman film where Zod and the big guy and the woman are there? And they get tried. I think that'll be us, like on the plane, just before Krypton blows up. And it'll be people that thought they actually, no, I was recycling. They're going, the people that were recycling were the worst. There'll be something that'll be proved that recycling yeah. was actually worse than landfill. Stuff we haven't even accounted for. And then me, you, and Jeremy Clarkson will be in this weird glass thing that gets fired off to the Phantom Zone. It, it would be the three of us because we, we are at the front lines. Um, I'd say every bath I've ever taken, I like baths. Uh, yeah, I'd love a bath. You know, that would be one. You know, like one of those dictators that goes down fighting. I'll be like, I'm not even sorry. And I'll go right, even just before they shot me between the eyes. I don't regret a thing. Fuck all of you. Bury me in a bath of my own blood. Throw in a lush bath bomb. I knew some of those bath bombs were environmentally unsound, but you know what? My skin felt amazing <laughs> afterwards. Amazing. You'll never know. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> Downs a glass of water full of microplastics. <laughs> Microbeads. You know, like that is a bad thing to be putting into sea. But the other hand, I do want to have amazing skin. It's tough to be a good person. I would love microbeads to be the, the hill you die on. I, so I still think everything's possible where like future scientists go, actually, we, it turned out the microbeads were being ingested by certain fish and their bodies evolved to turn that into oxygen. Oh, Jeff. I just really like microbeads. <laughs> I'm an optimist. <laughs> uh, the jury is still out. The yeah, jury restaurants, still they'll out. be like, do you guys want taps, sparkling, microbeads? You're like heavy on the microbeads. Yeah, yeah. It's like bubble tea, but not as shit. 
<laughs> well, I think as a subject, we really want, took that one on head, head on, really. I, didn't, I certainly personally didn't shirk any of the difficult issues there. So, and I guess in terms of talking about, you know, difficult things that our grandparents did, I sort of danced around that as well. So go me. Well done, Jeff. I'm just here to rehash to say that we should be held accountable for the things that past generations have done, especially if we are, what is it, reaping? Yeah, we're still reaping. Yeah, if we're still reaping. There are institutions around the world that are that have been built on exploiting groups of people that are still exploited to this day, and we need to face that. Um, what's the next subject here? Okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, can we talk about sex, Andy? Yeah, we can talk about sex. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hello, Kerry Godleyman here. Do you think sex education should be taught in schools? Hmm? Not by you, but by qualified people. Before we get really into this, Andy, are we talk about teaching kids sex education at primary school. What, what's the age range here? Uh, yeah, and the, the question as writ is... Um... Should we teach sex education to primary school children? Okay, so primary school goes right from five to eleven. Um, I mean, this really, this really does come down to no, nah, nah. With sex education. I'm just trying to think. When I first is that a question that people are asking? Oh well, I mean, in a way, yeah, yeah. I think that there is. I thought the question was like, should we 
widen the scope of sex ed, which I do agree with, because mm-hmm. a lot of sex ed is either abstinence only or heterosexual only, mm-hmm. which I'm happy to challenge and make wider. But I don't know if I'm going to go on record being like, five-year-olds don't know enough about sex. For, I mean, Andy, what's the woke opinion? <laughs> well, sex positive. You know, you've got to be... I, could I just talk about the phrase sex positive? Is One thing that, that young generations do so well now He's put really cool words on stuff that I think has been around for a while. Like, that's not to be positive about sex, but they can always give it a snappy word, can't they? I'm sex positive. I'm like, what does that mean that you think like sex isn't bad? What does it mean? It means you've tested positive for a sexually transmitted disease. Oh, yeah, I'm very sex positive. Well, I've been, I've been, but you've got to be in the game to get it. <laughs> <laughs> and here is Jeff. <laughs> Teaching everyone abstinence only. Yeah, yeah, practicing it. I, I had abstinence only education at my school. It was pathetic. Yeah, I don't remember. I remember there was like a bit where girls put condoms on a banana. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't really remember. I mean, I was... Do I want to put this out there? I was sexually active quite early in my teens. So I kind of learned on the on the on the job. I mean, I, I, I don't think girls put condoms on a banana. I think boys are putting condoms on the banana. Were girls being taught to put condoms on a banana? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a, that slight generational difference between us is that we were sort of going, oh, you know what? That's your responsibility as well. <laughs> Stick it. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I think that they might have um, they might have moved towards that. But sex positive. I mean, it's like you know, like the, the word gaslighting is a very popular and, and buzzy word but it sort of describes something that we we knew before which is like yeah. sort of extreme manipulation i mean ghosting as well all these slang terms right yeah yeah so they all like they all existed and sex positive i'm just trying to think what the previous thing was was that you weren't you weren't prudish i guess or that you didn't i mean kink shaming is is one that i i find what is that? Like, so if someone's got a strange thing that gets... Well, I can't even call it strange, right? Someone's got something that is uncommon that gets them off. That, and you shouldn't mock that because that's kink shaming. I'm not sure what's uncommon about feet. A lot of people have feet, Jeff. Feet? I'm, and my appreciation of them but no, is my business. Okay, so you... All right. I would not... Uh, I would say that would be at the milder end of, 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 <laughs> of stuff that would get kink shamed but then again there's probably got to be a boundary in kink shame you go you know what that is fucking messed up speak to someone i feel that all the time Mm. i'm like we can't leave this un we can't leave this unexamined we can't just accept at face value some stuff yeah if someone says like you know look i you know to get off all i need is for someone to pretend to be my dad not sexually but kind of criticize my homework and okay that would then you need to talk to someone about that that's not, I'm not king shaming you. But the problem is the second they start talking about it, they start getting off on it. Yeah, they're like, yeah, Jeff, I do need to talk to someone about that. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to be that someone? Uh, can you tell children that we were not taught sex ed from the age of five because we're this immature? Yeah, this is why they didn't teach us. They're, they're a lot more grown up now. They've all watched Friends. They've all watched every episode of Friends on a loop because their parents don't realise some of the bad stuff that's in it. I let my son watch Friends all the time. There's a lot of um, lesbian fantasizing Friends. I didn't, I didn't realize that as much. So much you can see that the writing room was quite male because every opportunity to allude to the idea of Monica, Phoebe, and Rachel getting off with each other, they take it. There's no single opportunity that goes begging for that. Um, who can blame them? And who can blame them? It makes you know. 
it added something. It's just watching my six-year-old son. He's like, why, why are Rachel and Monica doing special cuddling? I'm like, okay, because... Uh, oh, is, is does your son call sex special cuddling? Uh, no, no, that was the word I gave to it, which which is, that's bad. That I, you know, if he just said that... That is oh, worse oh, that, than sex. That's... <laughs> if a man invited me over to his home to special cuddle, I would call the authorities. It also, it has to be said in that way, like, do you want to do special cuddle? No. No one ever wants to do Jeff's uh, Okay, so Andy, is the argument to start teaching five-year-olds about sex? Um, it's not really teaching them like how to put a condom on a banana or anything like that. Mm. The, the argument is to give them an understanding of their sexual organs because puberty can come in from like the age of sort of 10 um, and so that they know what to call things. For example, if they were sexually abused as a kid, I mean, that's sort of a prevention part of it, okay. which is obviously terrifying, but it's definitely part of it. Um, and then also just to go like, uh, when they're about 11, being like, this is might happen at some point in the future, maybe if you're uh, considering a sexual relationship, you should talk to one of our advisors over there. He'll tell you more about it in detail. Oh my God. Been, um, but like immediately, I'm going, who, who accredits that person? That is a lot of responsibility. Just go and speak to, to uh, Phil over there. Phil will chat to you. <laughs> I mean, fucking hell. What level of CRB do you need to get for Phil? So t- teen pregnancy was... Not not so long ago in this country, it was a big problem. You know, the, the tabloids used to talk talk about it all the time. There was there was a t- everyone who lived on a council estate had a tale of a girl who's like you know sixteen, two different kids by two different fathers. Maybe there wasn't enough sex education then. I just don't know if year sixes need to be told. Well, so uh, around the world, do it very very differently to the UK. Don't tell. But is the next gonna next sentence gonna start with in Holland? Yeah, that shit. Genuinely, I think the issue, the issue at the core of it all is like it's so repressed in the UK that it's just hush hush and there's so much shame attached to it. So by the time you do have sex, Ed, it's already too taboo. And so Mm. the kids have the shame attached to sex already ingrained. And that means they won't talk to someone if they have an STD or if they're having trouble with sex or have questions about sex because it's such a forbidden forbidden topic. You wouldn't Mm. feel comfortable talking to an adult about it. And then obviously Holland, Scandinavia doesn't. Isn't there a Scandinavian cartoon about a vagina that's like the vagina or is Uh, it the penis? A penis, yeah. Um, it's like Mr. Mr. Penis Man or something. Hang on, let me look at it. Mr. Penis Man. And so the idea is like not to be ashamed of your own bodies or to ask questions about it. And I do think that's healthy. I think there is a line between teaching kids about sex at five versus having them so repressed that they are not, they're terrified to ask about their own periods mm. when they're 12 or whatever. Does that make sense? I think I'm making it, sense. No, no, it, it does. I, I just thinking like, there's a point where which you could just appall young people if you, if you went in too young, right? But you're like, oh god, you know what I mean? Like, they don't. It's, it's not just about their relationship with sex. It's about them encountering that information at the right time, and also definitely not before they found out about Santa. Oh boy, the Venn diagram of the reality in which both sex and Santa exist. That, what an incredible... We should actually just breed people in isolation just to see what kind of person that creates. Burdened by... I mean, it is, it is, it is difficult because, like, my son's six and a half and, like, he's not he's nowhere near close enough knowing the circumstance in which he was created. Like, I mean, he just... There's no space in his brain for that. 
Maybe if you want to put, it depends. Like, are you doing it because you want kids to enjoy sex more, or, or are you you doing it to make sure they don't have unwanted pregnancies, or you're doing it to put them put them off it all together? In which case, just get like the grossest teacher in your school to do it. You know, coffee breath fag fagash, raging alcoholic, just to come, just to come. Why is he working at a school? How did I, I was? I was. How dare you? I was thinking of she. Yeah, the best way to approach um, abstinence is to get kids to just think sex is lame. The yeah. way that people think Facebook is lame now. And it's like, sex? <laughs> that, your parents have sex. That's so lame. Yeah. You're Ew. still doing that? You're still doing that? We ha- You know, we have other stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I suppose what, what you don't want as a parent is that shock day. Where you don't realise the curriculum's changed. You didn't read that letter, that thing you were supposed to do auto sign online, and then your kid comes home. Why well, you still think they're innocent and just goes like, what, "What's what's a rim job, mom?" Yeah, what's scissoring? And you're going, "Fucking hell!" Do you know what I mean? I've not built up to this. Yeah, I think I would like to. I would less like to answer the question: Should kids uh, have? Um, more comprehensive sex education, but I would rather go point by point through every concept and decide what age is the appropriate age to find out about a thing. So mm. when is the healthy age to find out about pegging, Jeff? Uh, you got They've got to be a bit drunk for that one, I think. <laughs> Must be amazing for people with like seriously weird kinks when they just realise that just by coincidence their partner has the same one. Like You know like in Teen Wolf, you ever seen Teen Wolf? I know I've never seen it. I'm sorry. Seen the team world. So Michael J. Fox is. He turns out that I, I, I can't remember the, why the film had this conceit, but he became becomes a werewolf sometimes, and he's very ashamed of it. And he's in his he's in his bathroom hiding. And he's like, Dad. So I'm sorry. He's a were werewolf. But he's in he's in the bathroom, and then his dad knocks on the door. He's like, Dad, you can't see me like this. And his dad opens the door, and his dad's a werewolf too. It's a very funny moment in the film. Says a lot about fathers and sons. I don't know why this relate, relates. To, Wait, do you to think say- that's a coincidence, or is werewolfdom just hereditary? I, I think it is. I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> See, Wouldn't be so crazy if you just ran into a person that looks exactly like you? Yeah, it's your dad. It's, it's, I, I recommend the film highly. Actually, there's a lot in there about. In fact, you know about teen lust, wanting to be popular, first sexual experiences, being a werewolf. Uh, relatable totally yeah, relatable who's very good at basketball <laughs> oh my god who what, who smoked what in order to write that film well i i know that you this will percolate in your mind you'll be wanting to watch this film it's, it's as a, if te- being a teenager isn't enough he's also a werewolf that is that is that's the elevator pitch i think for the that's film. good stuff but as you said i think that it's really difficult to find someone with the same niche kink as you and i do think it's if that's one of your priorities it's like I don't know. I just think that's crazy because you're starting with not do I find them funny mm. or interesting or attractive or we have the same values. You're starting with do they like this weird thing that I like? What if you disagree on literally everything else, but they're the only person in the world that you found that also likes, I don't know, needs, towel porn. Towel porn needs to have a tortoise in the room. Yeah. During sex. Yeah, no, no. I think I think that one of the things when I think when I watch these kind of Louis Theroux style documentaries about these things i just think that they've given sex way too much importance in their life yeah so that would be that would be mr norcott's first so i'd go Spoken in right like a at, true virgin jeff 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that would be the thing with a certain age of boys. That would be their conclusion. Oh, so you're a virgin. No, and then I'd get Sir. super defensive. I'd get really defensive and then I'd become like a young boy. No, no, I've done it all, mate. I was do, do, doing it when I was 14. I've, I've actually retired because I did so much of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, oh, you know, there's an interesting point there is that I was fairly sexually active around the age of 14 onwards in a relationship with a girl the same age. Um, and I do think that I started a bit young. Do you know what I mean? The novelty, like my career started early. I think that might be why I've hung up, hung up my balls, you know, earlier than most. You really knew about sex before it was cool. I, do you know, was, there was really a really funny moment actually that happened on the school bus going back from school. There was these lads that used to cuss me out most days. And then um, he, one of the lads nicked my wallet off me. And there were condoms in it because I was, you know, in this relationship. And he was, oh, look, uh, Jeff, Jeffrey's, uh, Jeffrey's having sex. And, like, he didn't realise that this was actually, like, a good thing to broadcast about me. And then um, and then uh, one of the other lads, well, you're just jealous. He went, he went, shut up, lads. He goes, he goes, I could have condoms in my wallet, but I'm still a virgin. And then everyone laughed at him. Because <laughs> <laughs> he said it with such confidence. And I think he'd previously claimed to have not been. So... That's so funny. But also the idea that you started having sex before, before literally before it was cool. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was into the old stuff, the acoustic stuff. <laughs> One thing I do think, and now, you know, is that given the, the exposure of young people to porn, I think that I don't, and certainly not for really young kids, but them understanding the difference between porn and reality, that is something that needs to be. So I, I'm very pro- Telling boys that most girls aren't really going to do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and not certainly with not that degree of enthusiasm straight off the bat. We need more realistic porn. But it'd be, it'd be long though, wouldn't it? I mean, we're talking like... But my understanding is that amateur porn is more popular now anyway, with OnlyFans and stuff. The overly produced stuff is, is losing its allure. Um... Andy just sent over the a Guardian article about the animated show about the man with a giant penis. Okay. I think this is a different show from the one that I'm talking about, which means there are multiple European children's show about genitalia. Yeah. But the one the one that he sent was about a, an it's an animated series about a man with a giant penis, and it's from Denmark. So shout out to Denmark yet again. Do you he see can, it? So yeah, I can see it now. John Dillamond has an extraordinary penis. So extraordinary, in fact, that he can perform rescue operations, etch murals, hoist a flag, and even steal ice cream from children. Who the fuck wrote this? I thought Teen Wolf was weird. <laughs> what is that all about? Etch murals. He has a really extraordinary penis. That's a big, but no, an extraordinary penis would be like, you know, a, a quite a big penis. This is <laughs> this is superpower. Yeah. It's to teach kids to be comfortable with what they have. Oh, by having oh God, shown... Because, you know, oh, my God, can you imagine? They got together and it's like, you know who thinks... Who, people who think they're freaks? You know boys who have such huge insecurity? The boys with giant penises need to be told that they're normal and okay because they're <laughs> yeah. such an oppressed group. And even if you did have a giant penis, can yours etch a mural? So you've still got inferiority complexes. <laughs> oh, you know what group of people really need, needs a mascot? A group of people that's been oppressed for too long? It's guys with giant dongs. Hung boys <laughs> feel insecure in the schoolyard. 
just before we just before we completely lose track of the original question. Before, uh, <laughs> I think we did that about fifteen minutes ago. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. But um, yeah. so, what do you think of the idea that, given that the internet is like highly accessible to like really really young kids, um, mm. and there's a high chance that their first interaction with sex is just going to be through porn. Um, should we be teaching primary school kids about sex because of that? That I mean, that is a, a very good point. That That's a really it, compelling point, actually. Yeah, that because instead of to get ahead of the game, you know, you just got to pick, compete with the environment that you're in. A part of me would say be a good, you know, be a, a conscientious enough parent that you know what your kid's looking at and where. But you can't count on all other parents being like that. Yeah, and you're trying to basically go get ahead of the internet. And if all kids have access to internet, the internet, they will find out about sex. So you might as well give them give them the basics and have control over that. I'm, but isn't that then I like an arms? That. But is, is that could then be like an arms race against the internet, where you end up being this extreme version of a parent that's just trying to just trying to sec- You want to be the first one to tell them everything. And so, I don't know. I think you need to keep keep up with your kids' curiosity and never shut Mm. them down or lie to them, right? So, whenever Mm. organically the question comes up of where do babies come from, you just don't do the like stork cabbage bullshit, and you just always say the truth, but only ever give as much information as they're curious about. I feel like that's a way to organic. Well, that's what I said to my son. I said, "Look, I said the answer to this is my judgment that you you." possibly don't want to know it yet so it, it can it can wait if you really want to know i can explain it to you but if you're happy to trust me that it might be better heard at a slightly later date then then just do you trust me and he said yeah i said thank fuck for that well someone's on the playground is about to tell him but it'd be so abstract it'd just go like man a peanut beer but you know there's a lot you go what the fuck like at age of six and a half you, you can't even you can't even put that fucking tetris together you know sex is tetris jeff it is gross. People don't talk about that. Like, I like sex. And, you know, I was in my day... No, you don't, Jeff. You haven't had sex in years. No, but, like, if, you know, at the moment... Not years, but, like, at the moment... I would enjoy it in the moment. But, my God, it's oppressive, the idea of having to create circumstances in which it's going to happen. And, uh, I mean, the relief straight after is where you go. You don't have to do that again for a while. LAUGHTER <laughs> So you know, I think what we've maybe established in this is that is that a very good point is keeping up with the internet and that if at such a point where I do need to teach my son, I might need to bring in a professional. And you don't want your kids getting the information online and you don't want your kids feeling shame about their giant dicks. So, I mean, I think... We've spoke about some some complex social issues. I think the one thing that we've agreed on is that emo music, they spoke weird in the song. How dare you? <laughs> we'll see you next time. Late Night Master Podcasts. I've gone away from the voice now. I've lost it. <laughs> With Olga Cock and Jeff Norcott, produced by Andy Goddard. He's such a fucking gamer. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just here crying over my long dong, my long dong. <laughs> my multicolored penis. <laughs> if 
you've enjoyed this podcast, please tune in to Late Night Mash, the TV show on Dave at 10 p.m. Thursdays. You can also stream it for free on UK TV Play if you're young and hip like me. Olga Kaw. I'm not that old. I've streamed stuff. Documentaries about the war. So what if it was? And you know what? Even if you haven't enjoyed the podcast, tune into the show. A hell of a lot more money spent on a TV show. Yeah, the TV show is not filmed in a seedy hotel room, for instance. And I wish it were... Each week, our new host, Rachel Paris, is joined by a load of funny correspondents and a special guest, all giving their expert analysis on this week's news and everything else interesting going on in the world of culture, society, and showbiz. Jeff Norcott's on it sometimes. I'm on it. And we're funny, right? Right? Right. You're great, Olga. We're good together, actually. We could become a powerful double act like Benefer. We could call ourselves Norcock. Jeffka? Maybe. Late Night Mash, Thursdays at 10 on Dave and streaming on UK TV Play. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to nose around a comedian's house, take their stuff and see how much money you can make by selling it? No, that's a pretty niche thing, to be honest. A bit creepy, really. But that's the premise of Dave's brand new comedy podcast, Hard Sell, with me, Josh Jones. And me, Darren Harrier. We're going to travel the country, visiting the homes of different comedians, chatting about their spending habits before grabbing one of their favourite possessions and giving ourselves one week to try and sell it for charity in a competition to see who can raise the most money. It's a right laugh, as we get to meet amazing funny people like Kima Bob, Joel Domit, Rhea Lena, Ivo Graham, Josh Pugh, and lots more. But also sort of like an incredibly stressful cheese dream where we're trying to shift what are essentially stolen goods against the clock. <laughs> it's bonkers. Hard Sell with Josh Jones. And Darren Harrier. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts.